0: Welcome back to the Revelation On Demand podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, and I'm joined today as usual by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing well, doing well, all things considered, you know. Uh, Just trying to level out the playing field of what's been going on in my life right now and Uh, spiritually, I would say that, um, I've I've just got a lot of good influences going more so than the other week. Um, last time that we recorded, it was kind of tough, but all that resolved and I'm just feeling good.
0: Good. That's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that, uh, my prayers for you have been answered, you know, because I was, I keep you in my prayers, buddy.
1: Oh, same here. Same here all the time.
0: All right, so what's going on in the world? So this this really feels like everyone's talking about like the end times and stuff like that and to me, I've been through a lot of end times. So it feels no different to me this time. So I'm guessing this isn't like the end of the world. Would you agree with that? That kind of feeling?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, if you if you really consider it compared to right now and last year even, how much, if you if you want to just take a look at the contrast, how much less unrest there's going on right now? And I mean, it, it. Let me let me rephrase that statement. Compared to last year, we are in a more peaceful time. And if anything, last year looked like more of an end time than this year. And yet, we both agreed on the fact that last year was more likely not the end of times.
0: Yeah. 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 Definitely, and and if this is really the end, we don't have to worry about it as Christians. You know, we're we're we've got the winning team here. You know, so even if we die, we know where we're going. So there's always that. But as for worldly news, uh, Biden's on an executive order spree, which is interesting, to say the least, and he's also cleaning up the White House of all Trump affiliations. So that's also interesting because if Trump would have done the same thing, the media would have been like all over him for that. (laughs) Right.
1: But if anything fits the agenda of those uh, that, that just so happened to belong to to his particular party, I would argue more so than the other, Uh, not to take sides right now. Um, if anything fits to the new age progressive movement, it tends to be, um, you know, it tends to lean on his side with they're allowed to do pretty much whatever they want. But that's, yeah, that's just me.
0: <coughs> no. Excuse me. Yeah, no, I the one thing that I'm seeing is I'm wondering if they're having Biden do all these executive orders so that they can uh, turn on them. And then put Kamala Harris in the presidency, you know, and be like, he's gone out of control or something like that. Because if they do, if they do it on his health, they'll pretty much give all the people who are saying that he's not in good enough health to run ammunition to come after them for that. Like, we told you so, we told you so. But if they go, he's become a dictator and a tyrant, so we got to take him out of the White House, that might be the route they're going, you know, <laughs>
1: you're very, you're free. Crea- you're very creative thinker. I, I like that about <laughs> you. Um, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I think that it's just a matter of as long as he stays completely loyal to whatever they or uh, even his VP or, um, whatever you want to say, as long as he stays loyal to what they want, he'll, you'll give it to him like he did on day yeah. one, his day one order spree. And we'll we'll see about that you never know um, is there right. anything that you know about that that like sort of infringes on Christian rights
0: uh, I know that he signs stuff about uh, abortion and stuff like that and he's constantly talking about codifying road versus Wade which pretty much just means uh, roe versus Wade makes it legal all the way up to the point of birth and right, then yeah. it's up to the states to decide if they allow it or not so um so there's there's that but from what i hear the pro life movement is is still going back to the grindstone and in doing what they did back in obama era so you know I think that's the big one. I haven't seen anything that would suggest they are going to start persecuting Christians yet, but it's only a matter of time since it's only been like two weeks, and he's signed over forty executive orders. so something something's gonna come down that pipeline that's not gonna be good for us Christians. and uh, mm-hmm. it depends on how they how they use the pandemic, honestly. Yeah, in places if, of
1: worship especially. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, no. They, they've already started saying they need to open up or else there'll be nothing left to open up. And, of course, that's what everyone was saying clear back, you know, six months ago. Like, open up or there'll be nothing left to open up. And now they're finally saying that, you know. So, we'll see. Right. We'll yeah.
1: see. Yeah. I mean, all things considered, God's got us. So.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's the big thing about it. I'm not... I'm not too worried because like I said, I know where I'm going and I know that this is all in his plan. It's nothing that surprises him. So we just have to hang on and wait for, for the the turn of events, you know, because I'm not like totally free will and I'm not totally determinism. I believe that we all have, you know, kind of roles to play and that we have a decision whether we, we do that role with God or against God. So I, I feel like we have a choice in that matter. You know, I don't feel like we have the choice to do absolutely anything. And you know, I don't think free will is a superpower, you know, but I definitely think we are creatures with free will. So.
1: Yes. That's, that's a gift he's given us. Um, are we truly free from God's plan? I don't think so, but um, yeah. Yeah. To say it's all predetermined at the same time is up for debate.
0: Well, um, that's that's the, that's the hard thing about understanding the type of, of what God is, because he's omniscient and omnipotent. So he knows everything that's going to happen. And, of course, he's outside of time, so he knows at all times what everything is happening. And we have to watch it unfold in time, you know. So.
1: Right, with with free will in mind, so may, perhaps yeah. it's a number of possibilities. Um, last thing I want to do is compare the father to Doctor Strange, but you know, oh, yeah. if, if we look into an infinite amount of possibilities and how you individually can walk through each path or walk through a singular one, or mm-hmm. you know, even have the ability to change your mind and go different ways. It's it's very interesting. I mean, it's one way or the other, but at the same mm -hmm. time, you do have all those options.
0: Yeah. And and I think if you can think of it, if you think of like those option trees where they say, you know, this is what your life could do. You you get into those. You can make these choices and it branches out from where you are, like in a hundred different ways. The way I think it is, is like, yeah, you see that in front of you as we are. But God knows the line that you're gonna take, anyways. So He knows what choice you're gonna make even before you make it. But we still have the option to make that choice, and we could make the choice either way. It's it's Him knowing what we'll choose does not mean He dictates what we choose. You know?
1: Exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I I completely agree with that.
0: So what happened last episode? Ah. We were talking about the Seven Bowls. <clears throat> seven the final bowls cleans- of,
1: of what precisely they were it, they were like, they were something that were poured onto the earth.
0: Yeah, there was seven plagues. It was, you know, destruction of the sea and destruction on the earth and pretty much he's wiping clean the earth of all mankind that has it been saved yet because all mankind at this point when the bells start are going to be damned. So he's, he's recreate, he's, he's softening up the world for the final recreation, which we will get into, I think in chapter 20. So we're still two chapters away from that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. But we've been talking about new Jerusalem and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yes. Yes. Heaven on earth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I tend to obsess more over the new creation when we talk about heaven, because I don't think that the time spent in the presence of the Lord before recreation is going to feel like time at all. You know what I mean? Because when we enter the spiritual forms, when we die, we go to the presence of the Lord. And of course, that is such a you know wonderful place to be that we're not going to notice that any time has passed, and I get that from a lot of people who have had like going to heaven experiences where they meet people who have passed away, and they said, "We don't, we don't miss you because it's like when you show up, it hasn't been any time." So I don't feel like will experience any real amount of time after we die until we're recreated. So there's that
1: from our perspective. Yes.
0: Yeah, well, I from my perspective,
1: well, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, according to your perspective, which is a respectful one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what we missed last episode. So we were talking about the, uh, the frogs <laughs> bringing up the frogs again. Egyptian goddess of frogs and fertility was Hecate. I think you looked that up last time and we put that in there afterwards. And um, I'm so terribly sorry for singing. Uh, I listened to that and I have decided I'm not going to sing on this podcast ever again. So uh, you're welcome. I know that I'm not the best singer and that was just uh, really, really sad to listen to.
1: <laughs> I mean, <sighs> I'll, I'll do all the singing for you, buddy. How about that? Okay, that uh, that
0: works for me. But <laughs> that was uh, I was trying to be silly, and, and it really I didn't think it sounded good. So, You're
1: a character. You're a character, my friend. It's all good.
0: Okay. Well, if if our fans decide that they want to hear me sing again, you know, as terrible as that is, I might do it again. But we'll have to find songs that are already in public domain. <laughs> nothing oh, we can yeah. get nothing we can get uh, hit with a copyright for so we're What's in that? chapter 17 today which is the one right after uh, the seven bowls so we've got to split up quite a bit today just to make it uh, make it easier to follow the points that we're trying to talk about so you're not trying to remember exactly what we were talking about in scripture. So, my dear friend, if you'd be so kind to read our first chunk of scripture there, I think it's only a couple lines.
1: Yep. the first section is, what, yeah, three lines.
0: Two lines, yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, let's jump right into it. For those of you that didn't know, this is Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 17, starting with verse 1. Then, one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute who is seated on many waters. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live on earth became drunk on the wine of her sexual immorality.
0: Right, and I think that's only three lines. So, uh, this is most likely talking about uh, New Rome that that woman that is talking about the sexual immorality of her. Yeah, so this is probably talking about New Rome, the future global government, this this global spanning empire. Because at the time of Rome, especially at the time when the book was uh, Bible was written, Rome was this empire that the sun never set on, kind of like uh, Great Britain became after. Uh, just before world war one i believe yes sir and the the many waters that's talking about there is is referring to many nations which is again this future global government the sexual immorality however uh may mean you know real sexual sin but it most likely indicates religious infidelity so this is people praying to false idols, this is people worshiping false gods, this is people doing rituals to uh, anyone but our God. And, of course, as far as I can tell in Scripture, we only have two real rituals that we do for God, and that would be baptism and then communion. So,
1: Yes. And interestingly enough, um, a lot of people interpret this, in particular, to actually be like a sexual or like worship, as you were saying, to an idea or, um, uh, maybe like a certain way of life that happens to evolve this infidelity, so to speak.
0: Well, yeah, it could it could end up looking a lot like the burning of pinch of incense to the God Caesar, you know, like in the marketplace that we were talking about back, back clear and during the church chapters. Yes. sir. So this, this could very much just be, you know, a, a very benign thing, but it also could be like just sexual immorality and, and terrible things. I mean, we already see it in the world today. You can't watch TV for like regular TV for more than five minutes without it pushing some sort of, Sin, you know, and especially sexual sin,
1: yeah, I mean, you can hear it in tone of voice, uh yeah. anything that's implied, um last year's Super Bowl show,
0: yeah uh no, and and that's because that sin sells, so of course, people use it to sell, so it's just i personally we we've started watching a little more wholesome. Uh, entertainment because just the amount of sin in your regular entertainment like uh, i don't know game of thrones would be like the worst of the worst when it comes to using sin to sell something but uh if we could carry on at verse four
1: yes that'd be great I, I think that's a good note to end that section on yeah. verse four then he carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered in blasphemous names, and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels, pearls, oh, and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand, filled with everything detestable and with the impurities of her prostitution. On her forehead was a written name, a mystery, Babylon the great, the mother of prostitutes and of the detestable things of the earth. Then I saw the then I saw that woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witness to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished.
0: Okay, I I got that wrong. That was starting at verse (laughs) 3. Sorry about that. (laughs) I didn't put these in beforehand. So here we see the beast, which is, again, that that great government, the the seven heads and the ten horns. And upon his back is is Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, and she's adorned with the most expensive goods of the time. So I, I don't know if you could... Oh, look at Milan, if you're looking for, I don't even know if people watch the fashion show in Milan anymore, but <clears throat> she's just richly adorned. so think the most lavish dressing we could think of today for how this woman is, is just decked out, because at the time, pearls, gold, linens, and stuff like this would have been, like, posh, mm-hmm. so... And then the the testable things is most likely talking about polytheism, this pagan belief in many gods and many forces in the world that run the world, which is, you know, partially true, but not completely true.
1: Yes. And that brings up the subject of not just mass acceptance, but maybe mass influence and just conforming to the idea that everything is real or everything is okay with it being the way it is.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and it gets into that everyone can live however they want to live and realize their best life and stuff like that where it just descends into debauchery and and self-pleasure and stuff like that so the mystery of the name even though it says the name there it's it's referring to we don't know what that name is yet and i think that has a lot to do with we don't know who that that prot that person is that government is so it it says babylon the great the mother of prostitutes and detestable things of the earth so that's that's her title but we don't know what nation or organization that is going to be and i think that's what the mystery of the name means so john probably seen it's so-and-so nation and he said i don't even know who that is like if you would have told john about uh you know, even the Holy, Roman em- or, uh, the Holy Roman Empire, which would have been the the precursor to the Germans. I mean, or just if you would go tell Paul about the Germans, or not Paul, sorry, John. You would have gone and told John about the Germans. You'd been like the who? And you'd be like the Gauls. And he's like, I think I know who those guys are. You know, but so even a few hundred years removed, there would have been peoples and people's groups that he doesn't know about. So when he sees whatever this is, he doesn't know the who that is. So I think that's talking about what that mystery is. So prostitutes in ancient times would wear headbands with their names on it. So this is just fully dressing out this this picture of just idolatrousness and, and debauchery and and just Sinfulness in in the utmost. And the oh. mother of prostitutes is the place of obscenities. So, uh, she is she is the birth giver of all obscenities. And you know, just think of the most irreverent people in your life, and times that by like a hundred. So this is this is he's painting a picture of the worst of the worst, and there's no need for a lot of interpretation as the angel tells us in this next section, exactly what she's all about.
1: Okay. That was going to be the next thing I was going to say, actually, was like, well, spiritually, if, you know, it it, was considering that John is transcendent at this point, not completely like physically. um, Well, yeah,
0: he's not dead yet, but he's in the spirit.
1: spirit, Yeah. He's in the spirit. So you got to wonder if that's the true translation of what it is. And that's how he can see it as a spirit. And with the guidance of the angels and God to Mm -hmm. actually, to just let him know what, what, what it is, you know, instead of just seeing a bunch of unrecognizable letters, numbers, when you think about it too, literally.
0: Yeah. I think if you could go back in time, John knew the name of that nation, but since he doesn't know what that nation is, he, how do you explain something to other people that they don't know what it is? You know what I mean? It's one of those things. If you went back in time and started talking about the United States of America to people, they'd be like, What country is that? You know, they'd be like, They'd never heard of it. Yeah, so, sounds like a made up I, word to me. Yeah, no, they'd be like, The United States of, like, even if you said it in their language, which would have been Arabic or Greek or something like that, they still would have been like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not a nation. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, I guarantee you, John seen what the name of that nation is. It was adorned on her head, you know, but as far as it relating to anyone in his time, there was no point in writing it down. So, and I think the spirit kept him from writing it down because then if It was written down into scripture. Uh, Satan would try to frustrate it just as there's enough evidence to point towards Jesus being the Messiah, but it never fully states how Jesus is going to take all the sins. It just says a Messiah is coming to take all the sins sort of thing. It never says you know exactly how Jesus was crucified because if God would have written that down and the demons would have seen it, they would have tried to frustrate it. So I think this is one of those things where John was kept from writing it down so that demons couldn't frustrate this part of the plan.
1: Smart man. Yeah. He's done that a few times to us so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, this is a lot like when Jesus comes. So, If we get into the next section, starting at verse 7, it'll tell us about this prostitute and the meaning of the beast.
1: Yes. All right. Verse 7. Starting with verse 7. Then the angel said to me, why are you so astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up from the abyss and go to destruction. Those who live on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast that was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. On which the woman is seated, there are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain for only a little while. Beast that was and is not, is itself an eighth king. But it belongs to the seven and is going to destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they will receive authority as kings with the beasts for one hour. These these have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast.
0: All right. So we hear over and over again there talking about the beast that was and is not and is about to come and that is the parody on god's name which he who is or who was who is and is to be is to be you know it's saying it's it's the negative parody of god's typical you know i am so this is another one of those places where the where the devil is is copying God again to try and be a god. He, you know, that's his goal is to be a god, which is impossible. Uh so Rome was built on Seven Hills, so this is again referring back to that those seven hills are referring back to Rome. So I don't know if it's necessarily Physical Rome, like where Rome is right now, but it is at least symbolically representing where Rome is. So we are talking about this global spanning empire. The seven kings and kingdoms is most likely a succession of kings or rulers or presidents or something like that, or just a succession of nations who are taking over this global empire. Right, we and do have seven.
1: That, we do have seven continents. So,
0: yeah, yeah, and it could be that uh, I don't know if the the I, don't, I really don't think that uh, what is that the UN United Nations is anything in particular like this. I don't know if they could ever become this global spanning empire because they are very bogged down in not being a real entity. You know, or they're they're. Conc- Yeah, they're cooperative. They're not an entity. So this would be like a government who comes and just imposes its will over everyone. And then seven different rulers or seven different nations will fight over the control of this global empire. And again, we have that seven, which is the number of completions. So after seven, it's always going to be done. And that the beast ultimately gets control over everything from from this. So he's technically the eighth king, but he's in control of all these kings to begin with. It's just by the end of it, he will have gotten everything and he'll put these 10 kings yet to come, which could be 10 new nations or something like that, and they will swear their loyalty to the beast. So when I see things in the world where there's more of a spiritual awakening or we start hearing about more pagan practices and stuff like that, especially in the roles of government, in the halls of government, that's where I hear the echoes of we could be heading towards these governments recognizing a god of some sort, a lowercase G god of some sort as their end all be all. You know, so that's the kind of echoes that I get when I start hearing people pray to other gods in Congress, you know, for instance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which we mentioned last episode. It's like, yeah. And they, like you said, they, they swear their fealty and loyalty to the beast. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's for the sake of humanity is what they say.
0: You know? Yeah, no. And and they're going to be, you know, Satan is an angel of light. He's not going to show his true evil hand until, you know, he thinks he has it all he's he's going to be like this is for your good this is this is better this is and that's often what his deals are you know when you're dealing with the devil it's this'll be good for you you just don't know what you're paying for it you know and exactly. often when you're dealing with the devil it's your soul <laughs> so
1: never fun always painful
0: yeah all right so if we on the last section starting at verse 14
1: yes <clears throat> These will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will conquer them because he is lord of lords and king of kings. Those with him are called chosen and faithful. He also said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute is seated, was seated are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The ten horns you saw and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire for god has put it into their hearts to carry out this plan carry out his plan by having one purpose and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of god are fulfilled and the woman you saw is the great city that has royal power over the kings of the earth
0: right so there's always victory in christ which is a wonderful kind of way to wrap up this chapter you know and we see the water representation which is an interesting dynamic there where often water is chaos and stuff like that but in this case we see that he's saying the water is a great multitude of nations so we see that humanity is being kind of uh juxtaposed against that chaos that chaotic force of water so that's an interesting thought in my mind especially when i talked last time about how it seems the more authoritarian governments get the more you know chaos ensues in the country until balance is restored where it's not too orderly and not too chaotic and then if a country descends into chaos order starts getting imposed until it's restored balance. So it's interesting to see that the people, the nations are juxtaposed with, you know, the symbol for chaos. So, you yes. know, you like you've a lot got, of the unrest
1: you, we saw last year.
0: Yeah, no, and, and it's, it's, it works because you've got the beasts, which are any government. They're the order. They're the, they're the imposers. And then you have the people and the nations and they're the chaos. So, it seems that we almost need that balance as much as it pains me to say, you know, whereas actually we don't need that balance because if we count, if we do everything in God, if we follow God for everything, he will impose the order on our nations. He will give our nations. If our nations correctly recognize him as God, then he will be the order over the nation. And as soon as we turn from God, he pulls up that order and he lets a beast step in, you know? So yes, it's the actually kind of
1: is also known as the water of life.
0: Yes. And that's that we'll get into the water of life a lot in the next couple of episodes. When we start talking about new Babylon or new Jerusalem and the final recreation, there's a lot of uh, water imagery where, it's not chaos, it's life. So
1: Right. I mean, most accurately, if you're going to refer to it as chaos, like we've seen before, uh, the Great Flood, if you want to talk about um, parting the Red Sea, or Jesus turning water to wine, Paul refusing to to believe that Jesus could walk on water, so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, there's actually an interesting study you can do where... There's patterns in the Bible, like a. Oh, I'm trying to think of one, but Jesus and God always break that pattern. So, water in the Bible from the very beginning is always chaos, destruction, this unwieldy force of nature and stuff like that. It's, it's chaos and destruction. But whenever water is talked about in the type, in, in, Reference to Jesus or God, it's always life giving. It's always refreshing. It's always, uh, you know, cleansing. It's always making things better. And one of those, it's a lot like the sin, where every sin makes you dirty. And when sin is infected an object, whatever that object touches, or whoever that person touches, becomes sinful or dirty and unclean as you read in Leviticus that we saw in last (laughs) episode. Yeah. Yeah. But when Jesus touches something that is sinful or dirty, he doesn't get infected by the, the darkness. The darkness is, is cleansed from him, you know, and from whoever he touches. So you, you get this recurring themes in the Bible where throughout the entire Bible, there's this one, theme that always means the same thing like the water and then when it comes to jesus or god in some way they turn that around and they break that that typical trend or that typical you know adherence to the pattern so right now water is always chaos and stuff like this but when we get into the final chapters here we'll see water becomes life it becomes renewing it becomes cleansing whereas normally it's just destructive and in chaos so so yeah again that woman is new rome or or new rome and that would be oh yeah and where they said they they they'll give uh that woman over to the others so this is talking about how this global government will rise up and take control of everything and then they'll start eating their own i mean we've seen this a little bit already not to get too political but we've seen this where the people in power are now starting to fight over who's pure enough to lead so that that's got a lot to do with that cleansing the white house of what trump brought in where if you're not pure enough they're they're doing these purity checks they're going to remove you so and they're doing it to their own people it's not like they're doing it to their enemies anymore because their enemies are all removed so
1: Infighting, we, yes,
0: yes, it's and that this constant. this is talking about, yeah, this is talking about infighting in the, in the great kingdom, right there before the kings of the earth are handed over.
1: It shows you how much so, honest disorder there really is.
0: Yeah, and it and it goes to show you you can see echoes of these archetypes even in today. Right? That's why I'm saying you know we see these these oppressive. Groups rise up, and then as soon as they have power, they start infighting and they start going after each other, and then they start losing power. So we we see echoes of these archetypes. Sorry about that, even today. So
1: uh, absolutely, yeah,
0: mm, yeah. Echoes of so, the past, yeah, or <laughs> echoes into the future.
1: <laughs> that too. That's why we're yeah. here.
0: Yeah so anything else to add? Any questions that burning through your skull?
1: Uh actually that was very elaborative and uh for once I don't have a question, but I did want to address that um you know, God bless anyone who's been listening to us, we've been gaining some traction here and there, and we really do appreciate it. Um yeah. Uh I I, I I've loved doing this since episode one. And since we both brought up the concept, well, actually, since JD invited me to the concept of starting up a podcast, so it's been really keeping my heart going and all that. So, thank you.
0: Yeah, no, seeing seeing some traction. I thank you, Grace, So grateful for all you listeners out there. Uh, just starting to see some traction in the numbers, and it's really, uh, it's really heartening. It it makes. It makes me realize that we're doing this for a reason. So I am so grateful for everyone who listens to this. Uh, please keep listening. And the takeaway for today is God has a plan. If we stay in him, no matter what comes, we will be rewarded in his presence in heaven. We stay close to God by keeping our Bibles by our side and listening to him regularly. So that's that's been an idea that bounced around in my head a lot this past week is just keeping in the word and keeping close to God. So I I feel like that's where we need to wrap this up at. So anything else to add, buddy?
1: Prayer, communion, keeping each other with you. Uh, I, our, our Bibles are a good resource. That's a tool. Mm-hmm. It's a weapon. Uh, mm-hmm. And for those of you who ever want to look up the uh, holy armor of God, That's some pretty cool stuff, but they do mention how the Bible is a sword, you know, Mm -hmm. so you can, it's something to help you. And that's why I always say it's a very formidable resource. Anyone who's been like, you know, well, it's well, it's well outdated or it's just a boring thing or you got to be kidding me. It's a joke. It's really not. I mean, Mm -mm. just refer to it on a serious note, refer to it. And see how far you can get.
0: Yeah. It it speaks on almost every important topic that has to do with life. And even even if it's couched in, you know, really old terms and in a worldview that's hard to understand at times because we have to, you know, kind of turn back time when we're reading the Bible, it speaks on every single thing. And I've I've always found an answer to my troubles when I turn to the Bible. So
1: Yes, sir. We've we've gone over that a few times. Uh though anyway, uh I'm gonna peace out. So thank you, J D. Thank you, audience. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to Revelation On Demand Podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless and see you next time.